0: Section 3 of the Junior Classics, Volume 6 Old Fashioned Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter. The Junior Classics, Volume 6 Old Fashioned Tales. Section 3 A Fox and a Raven by Rebecca H. Davis. A raven, sitting high up on a limb, had a fine piece of cheese, He was just going to enjoy it, when along came Mr. Fox. Now the fox wanted the cheese, and he knew he could not catch the raven, so he began to flatter the raven's croaking voice, and to beg the raven for one of his sweet songs. At last the poor raven, silly with flattery, opened his mouth to sing, when, lo, the cheese dropped to the ground, and off ran the wily fox with a stolen treasure in his mouth the raven flew away and never was heard of again donny was a king's daughter she had heard her father talk of the battles into which he had led his mighty warriors and of how all the world that she knew had once been his from the hills behind which the sun rose to the broad rushing river where it set now all of this account was strictly true but the king as he talked wore no clothes but a muddy pair of cotton trousers and sat on a log in the sun, a pig rooting about his bare feet. Black Joe going by called him a lazy old redskin, and that was true too. But these differing accounts naturally confused Donnie's mind. When the old chief was dead, however, there was an end-of-all talk of his warriors or battles. A large part of the land was left, though, a long stretch of river-bottom and forests, but with very little swamp. Donnie's brother, Ustoga, when he was in a good humor, planted and hoed a field of corn, as he had no wife to do it for him, and, with a little fish and game, they managed to find enough to eat. Usoga and the little girl lived in a hut built of logs and mud, and, as the floor of it had never been scrubbed, the grass actually began to grow out of the dirt in the corners. There was a log smoldering on the hearth, where Donnie baked cakes of pounded corn and beans in the ashes, and on the other side of the dark room was the heap of straw where she slept. Besides this, there were two hacked stumps of trees, which served for chairs, and an iron pot out of which they ate. And there you have the royal plenishings of that palace. All the other Indians had long ago gone west. Donnie had nothing and nobody to play with. She was as easily scared as a rabbit, yet sometimes, when Ustuga was gone for days together, she was so lonely that she would venture down through the swamp to peep out at the water-mill, in the two or three houses which the white people had built. The miller of all the white people was one that she liked best to watch. He was so big and round and jolly, and one day, when he had met her in the path, he did not call her Injun or Red Nigger, as the others did, but had said, "'Where's your brother, my dear?' just as if she were white." She saw sometimes his two little girls and boy playing about the mill door, and they were round and fat and jolly, just like their father. At last, one day Ustoga went down to the mill, and Donny plucked up her courage and followed him. When she was there, hiding close behind the trough in which the horses were watered, so that nobody could see her, she heard the miller say to her brother, You ought to go to work to clear your land, my lad. In two years there'll be hundreds of people moving in here. And you own the best part of the valley. Ustogo nodded. The whole country once belonged to my people. That's neither here nor there, said the miller. Dead chickens don't count for hatching. You go to work now and clear your land, and you can sell it for enough to give you and this little girl behind the trough an education. Enough to give you both a chance equal to any white children. Ustogo nodded again, but said nothing. He was shrewd enough and could work, too, when he was in the humor. Come, Donny, he said. But the miller's little Thad and Jenny had found Donny behind the trough, and the three were making a nettle basket together, and were very well acquainted already. Let the child stay till you come back from fishing, Ustoga, said the miller. So Donny stayed all the afternoon. Jenny and Betty rolled and shouted— and could not talk fast enough with delight because they had this new little girl to play with, and Thad climbed all the trees as Jenny said to show off, and Betty tumbled into the trough head over heels and was taken out dripping. Donny was very quiet, but it was to her as if the end of the world had come. All this was so happy and wonderful. She had never had anybody to play with before. Then, when Betty was carried in to be dried and dressed, there was, too, the bright, cheerful room with a lovely blue carpet on the floor and a white spread on the bed with fringe and red dahlias that shone in the sun, putting their heads in at the window. Betty's mother did not scold when she took her wet clothes off, but said some funny things which made them laugh. She looked at Donnie now and then, standing with her little hands clasped behind her back, "'Does your mother never wash or dress you, Donnie?' said Betty. "'She is dead,' said Donnie. "'Betty's mother did not say any more funny things after that. "'When she had finished dressing Betty, to the tying of her shoes, "'she called the little Indian girl up to her. "'What can you do?' she said. Sew, Make moccasins?' "'She had the pleasantest voice, and Donnie was not at all afraid. "'I can sew, I can make baskets,' she said. I am going to make a basket for every one of you. Very well. You can have a tea party. Jenny, out of doors. Then she opened up a cupboard. Here are the dishes. Taking out a little box and bread, jam, milk, sugar and candy. Candy, cried Betty, rushing out to tell Thad. Candy, hooray, shouted Thad. For there are no shops out in that wild country where a boy can run for a stick of lemon or gumdrops every time he gets a penny it was very seldom that thad or betty could have a taste of those red and white eyes, which their mother now took out of the jar in the locked cupboard they knew she brought it out to please the little indian girl whose own mother was dead jenny set the table for the tea party under a big oak there was a flat place on one of the round roots that rose out of the moss which was the very thing for a table so there she spread the little white and gold plates and cups, and saucers, with a meat dish, every bit as large as your hand, in the middle, full of candy. The milk, of course, was put in the pot for coffee, and set on three dead leaves to boil, and Jenny allowed Donnie to fill the jam dishes herself, with her own hands. Donnie could hardly get her breath as she did it. When they were all ready, they sat down, the sun shone, and the wind was blowing, and the water of the mill race flushed and gurgled as it went by, and a song-sparrow perched himself on a fence close to them and sang and sang, just as if he knew what was going on. He wants to come to the party, said Betty. And then they all laughed. Donnie laughed, too. The shining plates just fitted into the moss, and there was a little pitcher, the round-bellied part of which was covered with sand, while the handle and top were, Jenny said, of solid gold. That was put in the middle of all. Donny did not think it was like fairyland or heaven, because she had never in her life heard of fairyland or heaven. She had never seen anything but her own filthy hut, with its iron pot and wooden spoons. When it was all over, the children's mother, Donny felt as if she were her mother too, called her in, and took out of that same cupboard a roll of the loveliest red calico. Now, Donny, she said, if you make yourself a dress of this, I will give you this box and she opened a box, just like Jenny's. Inside, packed in thin slips of paper, was a set of dishes, pure white, with the tiniest rosebud in the middle of each, cups, saucers, meat dish, coffee pot, and all. And below all, a pitcher, with sand on the bottom brown, but the top and handle of solid gold. Donnie went back to the hut, trotting along beside Ustaga, a roll of calico under her arm, and the next day she cut it out into a slip and began to sow. Ustoga was at work all day cutting down dead trees. When he came in at night, Donnie said, If you sold the land for much money, could we have a home like the millers? Ustoga was as much astonished as if a chicken had asked him a question, but he said yes. Would I be like Jenny and Betty? You're a chief's daughter, grunted Ustoga. One day in the next week, she went down to the river, far in the woods, and took a bath, combing her long, straight black hair down her shoulders. Then she put on her new dress and went down to the miller's house. It was all very quiet, for the children were not there, but their mother came to the door. She laughed out loud with pleasure when she saw Donnie. The red dress was just the right color for her to wear, with her dark skin and black hair. Her eyes were soft and shy, and her bare feet and arms like most Indian women's, pretty enough to be copied in marble. You are a good child. You are a very good child. Here are the dishes. I wish the children were at home. Sit right down on the step now and eat a piece of pie. But Donnie could not eat the pie. Her heart was so full. Hello, called the miller when he saw her. Why, what a nice girl you are today, Donnie. Your brother's hard at work, eh? It will all come right then. Donnie stood around for a long time, afraid to say what she wanted. "'What is it?' asked the miller's wife. Donnie managed to whisper, "'If she were to have a party the next day, could the children come to it?' And their mother said, "'Certainly, in the evening. "'Seems as if to be easy to make Christians out of them, too. "'I'm going to do what I can for Donnie,' said the miller's wife. "'It was not so easy for the little red-skinned girl to have a party.' for she had neither jam nor bread nor butter, not to mention candy. But she was up very early the next morning and made tiny cakes of corn, no bigger than your thumbnail. And she went to a hollow tree she knew of and got a cup full of honey and brought some red haws and heaps of nuts, hickory and chestnuts. When Ustaga had gone, she set out her little dishes under a big oak and dressed herself in her lovely frock though, she knew the party could not begin for hours and hours. The brown cakes and honey and scarlet haws were in the white dishes, and the gold pitcher with a big purple flower was in the middle. Donnie sat down and looked at it all. In a year or two, Oostoga would build a house like the Millers, and she would have a blue carpet on the floor and a white bed and wear red frocks every day, like Betty. Just then she heard voices talking, Ustoga had come back and sat upon a log and the trader who came around once a year stood beside him a pack open at his feet it was this peddler hawk who was talking i tell you Ustogi, the miller's a fool there's no new settlers coming here and nobody wants your land there's hundreds and thousands of acres beyond better than this you'd better take my offer look at that suit he held up short trousers of blue cloth, worked with colored porcupine quills, and a scarlet mantle glittering with beads of gold fringe. "'I don't want it,' grunted Ustaga. "'Sell my land for big pile money.' "'Oh, very well. I don't want to buy your land. There's thousands of acres to be had for the asking, but there's not such a dress as that in the United States. I had that dress made on purpose for you, Ustogi. I said— Make me a dress for the son of a great chief, the handsomest man, eyeing the lad from head to foot, that lives this side of the great water. Ustaga grunted, but his eyes began to sparkle. Here now, Ustagi, just try it on to please me. I'd like to see you dress like a chief for once. Ustaga, nothing loth, dropped his dirty blanket and was soon rigged in the glittering finery while Hawk nodded in rapt admiration. There's not a man in the county, red-skinned or pale face, but would know you for the son of a great Denoma. Go look down in the creek, Ustogi. Ustoga went and came back, walking more slowly. He began to take off his mantle. There's a deputation from these northern tribes going this winter to see the great father at Washington. If Ustogi had a proper dress, he could go. But shall a son of Denoma come before the great father in torn horse-blanket? Your words are too many, said Ustoga. I have made up my mind. I will sell you the land for the clothes. Donny came up then, stood directly before him, looking up at him, but she said nothing. It is not the habit of Indian women and children to speak concerning matters of importance. Ustoga pushed her out of the way, and with a trader went into the hut to finish their bargain. In an hour or two, her brother came up to Donny. He had his new clothes and a pack on his back. Come, he said, pointing beyond the great river to the dark woods. We will come back here again, Ustoga? No, we will never come back. Donnie went to the tree, looked down at the party she had made, at the little dishes with a rose on each, but she did not lift one of them up. She took off her pretty dress and laid it beside them, and, going to the hut, put on her old rags again. Then she came out and followed her brother whose face was turned toward the great dark woods in the west. When the miller's children came to the party that afternoon, a pig was lying on Donnie's red dress, and the dishes were scattered and broken, but the hut was empty. A year afterward, the miller came back from a long journey. After he had kissed and hugged his wife and little ones, he said, You remember, wife, how Hawk cheated that poor Indian lad out of his land? Yes. I always said it was the old story of the fox and the foolish raven over again. It was the old story of the white and red man over again. But out in an Indian village, I found Donnie sick and starving. The miller's wife jumped to her feet. The tears rushed to her eyes. What did you do? What did you do? Well, there wasn't but one thing to do, and I did that. He went out to the wagon and carried in the little Indian girl and laid her on the bed poor child poor child where is ustoga the miller shook his head don't ask any questions about him the raven flew away to the woods and was never heard of again better if that were the end of ustoga donnie opened her tired eyes saw the blue carpet and the white bed where she lay and the red dahlias shining in the sun and looking in at the window and beside her were the children and the children's mother smiling down on her with tears in her eyes End of section 3